Welcome to the Transcending Sport podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz. This is Transcending Sport. We are continuing our human performance series. Um, Our featured guest is Andrew Gordon. He is a performance coach at Rapid Sports Performance in the Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia area. What's up, Andrew? How's it going, Rob? Thanks for having me. Uh, How'd you get into performance coaching? Sure. So, yeah, I I was uh, born and raised in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, Mm I grew up around where rapid is and i grew up playing baseball mm-hmm. um, playing on travel teams and all that good stuff and i ended up playing college baseball at the university of north georgia that's a small d2 school up in the mountains about an hour north of atlanta mm-hmm. um and some of the reasons that i got into coaching is because at north georgia i had a couple of unfortunate injuries i had like four surgeries during my playing time there so um during during the course of that, I just got really curious about about the body, and, and I wanted to be able to answer all the questions that I had from my trainers. And um, so I decided to study exercise science. And um, I think like my third year of undergrad, I actually started volunteering in the weight room for um, we have a really really good strength coach there. His name is Rich Prude. But uh, anyway, I got I started volunteering under Rich and uh, learning how to coach and, and learning some of the whys and how to program and et cetera et cetera and. Um, after I got done playing, I went, actually went back to North Georgia and I was a graduate assistant strength coach for the men's and women's tennis team. So I uh, got a really cool opportunity there to uh, work with some international students and kind of learn a lot about tennis and some energy systems and the demands of the movement demands of tennis, which are similar to baseball in terms of rotation and overhead. But um, mm-hmm. after after that two years, um, I kind of finished grad school and, and I, I got a really good opportunity here at Rapid and I've, uh, I've been at Rapid a little over two years now. So. That's great. Um, did you did you actually play tennis at all? Or no. No. It's funny. I always used to make the joke after I got done playing with my baseball career. I, I never thought I'd be making lineup exchanges on the tennis court instead of <laughs> home plate. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, day day one of my because uh, I wasn't you know I wasn't actually a tennis coach. I was just you know I was a strength coach. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I got to learn a lot. Day one of that. That experience, I did not even know how to keep score in tennis, and by the end, I was actually going out on the court and kind of helping our players and stuff. So that, that was a really cool experience. That's cool. My, my tennis, uh, I, I, I'm a tennis, I'm a casual fan, very casual. I've been to the um, U.S. Open a few times. Oh, nice. Only, only because it's like 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> over, over here, in, it's over here in Queens. I've, I've obviously you know that, and I got a chance to. The one time that I had an opportunity to see Serena Williams play, she was gonna play a doubles match with her sister. Oh man. And it rained for like three hours. And then, you know, obviously I sat through it. I was like, there's no way I'm leaving onto the court and they have this little machine that kind of squeegees the water off. Yep. It's like it's like a roller. And she so they did all of that. It took them about forty five minutes just to do that. And then it rained again. Oh man! <laughs> so, that, so then they so then they ended up like canceling her doubles match because she had a singles match the next day, and it would have been like too close. She wouldn't have had enough recovery time. Yeah. 
So I was like, are you kidding me? I was so upset. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get back here. But then I eventually did get back to, to the U.S. Open, you know, with pretty good seats and stuff. But I, I think that was the year that she was pregnant and she didn't play. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, she, she's an incredible athlete. Yeah. That would have been cool. cool. Yeah, that would have been cool, right? <laughs> that would have been cool. So let, let's go ahead and go into it. Let's let's talk about rotation power. Cool. So I, I guess the one thing for me, like in my experience of doing what I do, um, working with hitters, particularly in um, base, baseball and softball, um, and also working with some pitchers, and we know that rotational power, just rotation in general, is important to throw a ball hard and hit a ball hard. Absolutely. Um, you know, back in the days, you know, we were told if you can't throw hard, you probably will never throw hard. And if you're not a power hitter, you're probably never going to be a power hitter. And we, we were told that yep. 10 years ago, five, maybe maybe even eight, seven, six, maybe six years ago. Um, now I believe that the now I believe that the injury in, the industry has gotten smarter, and um, the industry of human human performance in particular has gotten really uh, more adept in understanding the body and how it relates to the sport, specifically specific sports and specific tasks within within a sport. So now it's like okay, you, you can you, you can tell a kid who throws eighty two, yeah, you can throw ninety one. And that was unheard of, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, I was like, okay, you don't throw hard. You're never going to throw hard. That's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, right. You're, yeah, you're right. The industry has come, come a long way um, in, in regard with regards like that. We actually have a, a kid that turns with us that has, you know, has a kind of a story like that. He's, you know, he's going 90 plus now after being a, you know, high school kid with, you know, that barely made a Juco team. So he's, he, he's just a, Outstanding, outstanding tribute to hard work. He's he's a pleasure to work with. Yeah, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about you know, you know, bat speed because I have I know one of our one of our points is we're going to talk about rotational. We're going to talk about um, how to increase bat speed. So I want to talk to you about that. Um, how, and and what are the one I want to talk to you about just the movements, the movement sequences that are needed to increase bat speed, mm-hmm. and then also. On your end, what do you do as a performance coach to help athletes to be able to move differently to increase that bat speed? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, in, in terms of like creating rotational power, um, kind of my the way I think about it is that there has to be a blend of strength and power training for the upper and lower body. You have to have a strong core in order to control your rib cage, in order to you know store and create elastic energy and all that stuff, but. Mm-hmm. On top of all that, those things, there has to be an element of, of technical and mechanical efficiency. So you could be the world's strongest deadlifter in the world, but if you can't rotate and you don't understand how to sequence and time things, you, you're never going to have a high element of rotational power. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have to think about it that way, um, especially in terms of training. So like, we, like for example, we, we do a lot of rotational med ball work shot puts and scoop tosses and, and the biggest thing that I, I like to preach about that type of stuff is is intent 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 you have to throw that ball technically well but also as hard as you can every single rep because what you're training here is rate of force development which is simply put it's kind of like the the brain and the central nervous system sending impulses to muscles so they can contract in a, in a brief amount of time which is that's huge you have to have intent with power development otherwise you, you won't improve that rate of force development mm-hmm. 
Um, so those are that, those are kind of my like big rock thoughts when I when I think about training for rotational power. You have to have you have to be strong. Obviously, you have to be able to create force, but then you also have to be able to use it. You have to move well. You have you have to be able to, to sync with some time thing. Learn how to get separated. And you know those are those are some of my big rock thoughts. Yeah. Right. So when you say get separated, what are we what are we separating? Uh, basically, like like the trunk and hips. Like you, you, like if you see if you watch any elite thrower or hitter, they're they're going to create a, a solid amount of, of hip and trunk separation, which is which is how they generate elite bat speeds. Mm-hmm. So that that's one thing I really love to train, especially with my um, med ball drills. Okay, like I really I really like to coach up med ball drills. So when I'm looking at a med ball drill, um, I'm looking at as a hitting coach. I'm looking at, hey, in, in that movement pattern, how does that transfer to an actual swing? Sure. And what and what are some of the so some what are some of the similarities um, from the ground up that happens in the metaball in the metaball toss? Obviously, intent is 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 is, is crucial, but um, what are some of the similarities in in, the, in that movement pattern? Foot, you know, foot to from the ground up. Foot, sure. foot, foot to trunk or foot to trunk to arms or whatever. How does that work? Yeah. So for me, I always like to, to help people understand that, like, for me, and, and it's hard sometimes because I did play baseball and, and I know what it's like to swing yeah. that hard, right? Uh-huh. But I I take the approach that a med ball shot put or a med ball scoop toss, which for those of you who don't know, those are med ball training drills. Basically, you, you know, you, you throw a ball in, into a wall. Uh, trying to create as much rotational power as you can but the way i teach those is you have to be able to separate the exercise from a baseball swing yeah right because because a med ball shot put is, a, is a, an exercise it has a technical element just like a squat or a deadlift or a split squat or a push-up whatever the case is you, mm-hmm. you have to you have to do it correctly so if you sit in there and you load up a med ball in your hands and you you know get into quote unquote your batting stance to me, that's you're not you're not training there. You're just trying to mimic your baseball swing, and, mm-hmm. and to me, there's a big difference. So, so so, 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 so it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be anything like a baseball swing. I wouldn't say. I mean, there's definitely some similarities. You're going to get okay. you're gonna get trunk and hip separation. You're going to get trunk rotation. You're going to get, you know, internal and external rotation of the hips. You know, those mm-hmm. those things are all similar. But for me, it's just. You have to train it in, like a training drill. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes That's sense because I think yeah, some people some people look at it, and, and including myself, with you know not knowing. Um, hey, why am I doing this? <laughs> it doesn't, you know, you know what I mean. Like, but but coming from right. an expert like you, like that's why I wanted you to break that down because I'm like when I look at it as a baseball coach, um, I'm like, okay, well, somebody has to explain this to me. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And the reason, and to be honest, like the, the movement patterns are very, very similar. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The reason that I like to coach it that way is because you want to train these kids to have a, a high technical ability with the exercise. For right. example, when we start somebody off with a med ball shot put, we're, we're training, we're getting them to a certain position. We want to load the back hip. We want to feel the heel connected to the ground. We want to learn how to shift into that back hip and then make an approach to the wall, learn how to throw the hips and then the, the hands deliver the ball. So, excuse me, the, the hips should deliver the hands, if that makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. And that the kind hips of deliver the hands. And yeah. so, for me, a basic med ball scoop toss teaches somebody what that feels like. If you just tell a kid, hey, here's a four-pound med ball, and yeah, just throw it into the wall like your baseball swing. Like, ah, are you really going to get 
are you really going to get what you need out of that? Because is the kid even coordinated enough? Can they control their pelvis? Can they control their kid? You know, th those things are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And it used to be like, I'll oh, just give the ball, give the kid the ball and let him be athletic. Well, if he doesn't know how to get separated, if he doesn't know how to rotate, you, you got to teach him, right? And that's that's where that's where med ball drills are, are really valuable, if, if you ask me. Um, so, yeah, and because, if, because if you take it a step further, you can even break some of those drills down. We can take a knee, we can work on just trunk, we can work on just hip, right. we can work on, you know what I mean? Like you can break things down and, and really dive deep into what a kid struggles with in order to help him in order to help him move better, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, efficient movement equals efficient transfer of energy, which that, and that is where you get faster swings, throws, etc. That's good. So how does so what how does rotational velocity actually work mechanically? Can you can you break that down for us? Like, okay, I want to create more rotational velocity, more relational power. Um, what are the mechanics of the movement sequence that allow me to? Because you have some people who could be strong, but because they're not able to to move in the right sequence, they're not generating anything. And then you have people who are like not as strong. Yet they're creating more, <clears throat> more rotational velocity than someone who's stronger than them, only because they're right. more in sequence. Am I, am I right about that? Absolutely. That okay. that's, that goes back to what I was saying about a rate of force, a rate of force development, and b, it's like efficiency of movement, mm -hmm. right? If you look at a big powerlifter, right? Like think of a you know, think of one of those dudes on Instagram, they're deadlifting thousand pounds, right? Those are huge, but they are so locked into what we call the sagittal plane that they they they'll never be able to rotate well. Mm. Mm. because they have such as they have an adaptation to lifting things in a straight line they've done that for years and years and years and years so when you talk about rotation a you have to have sufficient mobility at the, at the hips and the t-spine like do they even have that if they don't you're you're not going to get what you need out of drills like we're talking about right so that's you know we could die that's a whole other conversation about assessment and stuff which i know you talked about with dylan but um in terms of creating timing and sequencing, like the rate of force development, which I mentioned earlier, that, that's that's going to be how fast can the brain send impulses to muscles to make them contract and, and work work hard, basically, right? Yeah. So that's what you're training with power output. But kind of behind that is the kinetic sequencing, which I think is what you're asking. Yeah. So for me, for me, it's going to be a, a weight shift. Let's just let's just imagine a med ball scoop toss or even just a swing. It's a load into the back hip, and then hips, lower, lower leg, hips, core, trunk, and then output, whether it be a throw or a swing. So the hips kind of generate everything, and they start to rotate, and the core kind of creates some elastic energy, which transfers up to the trunk, which stays kind of behind. That's where you, that separation becomes important. If you watch, you know, real time, it's a split second, but if you if you slow-mo swings or, or throws, whatever the case is, you can see how the, the hips go before the trunk. Elite, and yes. that elastic, yes, that, that elastic energy is what allows guys to have 100 mile an hour fastballs or 110 mile an hour back exit velocities or whatever the case is. So <laughs> this is great. So I, I I'm I'm getting better as a hitting coach, and I'm learning from my pitching coach friends. And when I'm when I'm talking about throwing with some of my position players, that you know obviously there's degrees of separation. You know I know you talked about separation earlier, 
you know, there, there's, right. there's degrees of separation that are more or less relevant, you know, pertaining to what's what sport we're talking about. Um, yes. And sure. all and also, um, there's a speed that that lower half, the hips have to actually have also, that pulls everything faster. So when we talk about power, you know, you know, specifically rotational velocity, I think. The way you, you know, we, we talked about rotational power earlier, but that's one thing. Power is one thing, but rotational velocity is something else. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, so, because what I'm learning and what I'm trying to get some of my hitters to understand is the faster you can turn, the more power you're going to generate. Yeah. And that, that goes back to rate of force development. You know what I mean? Like, the faster you can get your muscles to contract and the harder they can work, the more output there's going to be. Now, here's the other part. I don't, I don't know if we talked about this yet, but control. So, obviously, there has to be a reasonable amount of control. So, when we're talking about the strength work and the speed work and in terms of in terms of rotation, we're still in rotation. How does that translate into control? What are some of the things that you work on? What are some of the exercises that we do? The stabilization, like you know, you know, the core is obviously right. going to be stable, right. but right. the stabilization right. actually plays a part in the rotational speed, also. I'm assuming when you think about Absolutely. how it has to work. So, when you combine all the different exercises, how do you assess where somebody may be weak rotationally, slow rotationally, and what kind of pro- how, do, how do you go about creating a program specifically for the player who's five foot 11, 140, yeah. you know, you know yeah. what I mean, like. Yeah. They don't have that real frame, but you still right. got you still yeah. got to put some put some power on that on that athlete. Right, and so it's really easy to get ahead of you know I, I, I tend to get ahead of myself sometimes and dive into whatever. But for for a kid like that, he just needs basic training. And but but, but specifically at the core, like as an example, if, if he doesn't have a strong core, he's not going to be able to to generate that that elastic energy like we we're talking about. Right. And, and B, but he's not going to control himself. Like, so if you ask him to do a swing, like no matter how good the drill is or how good you coach it, if he can't do it, he can't do it. So then you have to take a step back and like, okay, well, how, is this kid strong enough to manage his rib cage? Is he, mm-hmm. is he not? So that's where loaded carries come in handy, pal off presses, anti rotation exercise, all those things that kind of strengthen the core, but also position. So, so health is about management of position. That's you know, if you really break it down, like the abs and the obliques and the musculature of the core creates output, creates energy, but they also manage the trunk. They also manage position. And if you can't manage position, you, you're not, you're going to be less, you're less advantageous to yourself for lack of a better term. <laughs> but right. so that's where, that's where you can really dive deep with a kid and be like, okay, well he, he has this massive collapse on his backside because he just, he just can't, hold himself so that's where a loaded carry or a half feeling chop or a half feeling lift something something like that to teach him how to control his core how to control his rib cage can, can really be useful hmm. so you, you mentioned the sagittal plane earlier and how some of the some of the um, those power lifters are really really kind of good at operating on that plane mm-hmm but there's another plane. I want you, can you can you break down the two yeah. planes and there, so there's actually three planes. Three. So okay. you have the sag, you have the sagittal plane, and it, like we as humans can move in, in three different planes, right? You have the sagittal plane, the frontal plane, and the transverse plane. 
Yeah, so if you can think of this, I like to explain it this way. The sagittal plane, think of just like forward, walking forward, right? The frontal plane will be side to side, so think like doing a jumping jack. And the transverse plane is rotation. And baseball players are tricky because they got to have all three. Mm-hmm. Power lift, the power lifter has one way of the highway, a squat, base, deadlift. They just pick the up, put it down, that's it, right? That would be kind of your example of a just straight line approach. Mm-hmm. Baseball players are tricky because they need all three of those planes. And you have to be able to control yourself in all three of those planes, which is why it's so important to be sh- strong in a, in a multifaceted way. Yes. Um, so, again, going back into rotational power, broad jumps and vertical jumps and uh, sagittal plane power is that, yes, it's absolutely important. But baseball, for lack of a better, this isn't a real term, but baseball power is plane specific, right? So we have, they have to be able to produce power in the frontal and transverse planes, which, which in reality is what you're training with, with a med ball shot put or a rotational drill or, or even taking batting practice, right? That, that, that's going to be frontal and transverse plane movement. So frontal plane would be like hip, hip abduction, like kind of taking a step at the ball or at the pitcher. And then your transverse plane power is going to be the actual rotation of the spine, hips, and pelvis, uh, you know, humerus ribcage t-spine all, all of those things everything everything needs to be able to rotate well so you know so you know i've never heard anybody say what you said the way you said it and as you're talking i'm i'm picturing my i'm i'm, I'm seeing my athletes <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i'm seeing how they walk how they move or how they are, are, are not able to move and what i found and this is kind of obvious to some people that my multi-sport athletes do better. Are better baseball and softball players. No doubt. Because no doubt I think I think the other sports are are creating that that making them or, or morphing them into three playing athletes. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And the reason for it, especially in younger kids, is that they're exposed to a lot of different movements. Right? Baseball is an athletic sport. Don't there's no question about it. But if you only do you know, one thing, if you swing and throw, you're, you're going to get good at swinging and throwing. You're not going to be good at running. You're not going to be good at jumping. You're not going to be good at cutting, skipping, shuffling, you know, all those things that are involved in other sports. And, you know, that, that could be a whole other conversation. But, but, but I think you make a really good point there that, you know, multi-sport athletes generally are a lot more athletic. Damn. That's good. Um, so and so like to take that a step further mm-hmm. and you look at a kid you look at the 13 year old kid who is he, he plays baseball and he takes pitching lessons and, and he he trains a little bit he can do you know kettlebell deadlift and some push-up whatever you know whatever the case is but yeah. he's got a resting posture he's super rounded over and he can't you know it looks like he can't stand up straight like that, that, that kid is biased into a certain position and until he learns how to get out of that position He'll never be able to rotate well. It just won't happen. He'll be hitting those loopy line drives over shortstop until until he gets stronger <laughs> and learns how to and, and turn, until he learns how to move well. And that's you know it's 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 unfortunate to think about kids like that. But at, at the end of the day, like that's that's what we're combating with a lot of this stuff. Wow, that's cool. So what so what what partic- what specifically about um, rotational power? Um, rotational power and exercises that support those who want to gain rotational power would you like to leave us with for me it's it's learn 
how to how to create intent, how, how to be learn how to like try hard. <laughs> and and that, so, that's more that's more mental than it is physical. Absolutely. That's the mental, it's mental aspect. There. It's, it's mental because like you literally want to train yourself to work hard, but but it's also mental in that your brain, your central nervous system, are going to be outputting those impulses. Like that, you have to train that. If you throw a med ball shot put into the wall and it just sounds like a you know a, a you can barely hear it. There's like there's no noise. Like you're not, you're not training anything. You're just throwing a ball, right? It should be loud. My favorite thing in the gym is rotational output stuff. Rotational shot puts, rotational med ball scoop tosses. So like it's loud. You can like you hear a kid throw into the ball and it, like the whole gym starts. You're like damn, who was that? Like that was, you know what I mean? Like that that's my big thing. Um, and you know you could dive deep into. Mechanics and you know, do they have adequate hip internal rotation? Do they have adequate T spine rotation? Stuff like that. And those things absolutely matter from an assessment standpoint, and you have to train them. But if if I could pick one big rock thing, it's pick pick a drill, do it really technically well, and output as much as you can with each and every rep. Hmm. This is good. So just on the hitting side, <clears throat> when we, you know. We have these. We have KVAS now, and we have all this technology that is giving us um, rotation by degrees and how much separation we're getting by degrees. And then we're actually measuring rotational speed, you know. And we're able to we're able to kind of put a number on the output, so we can actually um, monitor the effectiveness and the efficiency of our training. So we can say, hey, you know what? This is what your rotational speed looked like before you started training for to gain rotational power, and now this is what it looks like after two months of training, three months, or six months of training. Yeah. And, and then, and then we, and then we take it a step further and say, and your exit velocity or your throwing velocity has increased by X amount of miles an hour. Yep. And and I think having the knowledge that you have to do what you do when you put that, when you add technology to that, because now we're validate, now we're validating the effectiveness of the effectiveness of the training. For sure. And we're showing the athlete, Hey, look, here's, here's, here's what we knew was going to happen, but now here are the numbers of, of what happened. So obviously, you know, yeah. you know, you're better. You can feel it. You can see it out and how, how your game has changed. But when we're able to measure it, we're able to, we're able to master it. And I think, I For think, sure. th I think that, you know, is, you know, coming down the pipe, you know, coming down the pipe. I know you, I'm not sure if you, you probably know, but what we're going to be doing um, in, in, in our collaboration here at Complete Game with Rapid Sports Performance, you know, we're going to be adding a, a, uh, a player lab experience um, where the assessment goes from not just the performance, but the assessment goes into the skill aspect of it also. So that you can be able to provide a platform for your athletes at Rapid Sports Performance. To say, hey, this is how good we are. This is how good we know we are. We're willing to bring in technology to validate what, what we're doing with you. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And just to touch on one more point about the technology stuff, all, all, to track progress and, and drive and drive, you know, results. And that I love that stuff. It's, it's super important. It creates a lot of buy-in with athletes. But for me, like we we use Gymwares. We have some Kaiser machines and things like that, that that allow you to see the speed of things and what your force output actually is. And, Going, just touching back on, on something I mentioned earlier is that intent thing. Like those numbers, every, if you can see what you output every rep, it's going to drive intent. Mm. And, and you're going you're to want to compete with yourself or compete with your buddy that you're training with or, or whatever the case is. Like 
that output, that immediate feedback drives intent, which therefore drives better training. Hmm. And that's, and not to go down another rabbit hole, but that's, that's why I like kind of separating med ball training drills, scoop tosses and shot puts from a baseball swing. Cause like, if you just get in the batting cage and just freaking rip it and grip it, like you're not training, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you want to work on barrel, you want to work on barrel control. You want to want to work on sequence and timing and stuff like that. But on a med ball shot put, like if you, if you know how to do it right, you freaking rip it, man, let it eat. You know what I mean? That for me, and that, that that's where a benefit of that type of stuff can do because you're gonna be, a you're gonna be able to recover from it. It's not super super taxing, and b it's a little bit less technical than actually throwing or swinging a bat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so I know you got to run. How do we get in touch with you on social? How do we follow you? Sure. Uh, personally, I don't do a ton of. On social media, I actually do. I create all the content and I run the Instagram account for Rapid. So mm-hmm. if you just give us a follow, it's at Rapid Sports on Instagram and on Twitter, at Rapid Sports GA, Georgia. And our website is www.rapidbaseball.com. On there, we have tons of tons of free uh, content. I write a blog and put out every other every other week or so. Um, that's also how you can get in touch with us if you want to, if you're interested in some training. Um, so yeah, those are the big three: Instagram, Twitter, and and, uh, and our website. My personal Instagram is Andrew.Thornton15. I think I, I don't really post a ton, but uh, but I, I live vicariously through the rapid one. But, uh, <laughs> I got you. Yeah. All right, Andrew. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, have a terrific day. We're gonna get you back, obviously. Um, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. All right. No problem. I want to thank you all for checking out our human performance series on the Transcending Sport podcast. Also, to commemorate the partnership between myself and Diamond Kinetics, we are offering a discount for all purchases made at diamondkinetics.com. When you type in the discount code CG Plus at checkout, you will get a discount on your entire order.